0: Well, turn over to Ephesians 2. We're going to start there again this morning just to kind of um, reiterate some of the things we talked about last week. The last week we started this 10-week study on what it looks like to live together as a church in unity. And we looked at how Christian unity is one of the primary results of the gospel. So God reconciles Himself uh, us to himself And then he reconciles us one to another within the church. And it was Christ's death and his resurrection that broke down the dividing wall of hostility and brought Jew and Gentile together. The two men became one. And so, um, you know, we said last week, our unity is a big deal. It is is a visible display to the world of the life-changing results of the gospel. So we should... Uh, we should desire that unity. We should want to reflect God's glory to the world. And so, um, true Christian unity, you know, kind of di- um, distinguishing that from what the world might define as unity, we said true Christian unity has its source in the love of Christ, its action is love for one another, its purpose is displaying God's glory, and its pr- practice is in the context of the local church. So we contrasted that kind of unity with another kind of unity that we may see often in the church, and that's one that's built around the gospel plus something else. So the gospel brings us together, but then we really come together uh, over things that we have in common that are outside of the gospel, and we see that often. And so that type of, of unity is not necessarily bad, but it really doesn't put on display God's glory the way the, the dividing wall of hostility being broke down and, and groups that essentially hate each other coming together under, under the gospel. So um, we want to emphasize that. We want to seek to cultivate that type of unity. And so this morning we're going to kind of drill down on that concept a little bit more and really look at the flip side of unity and that is diversity. Uh, and so I, I recognize that just mentioning the word diversity can cause people to get a little bit nervous because of the way the topic is, is handled in the world. Um, but what we're talking about this morning is not just diversity uh, for diversity's sake, but biblical diversity. So again, it's this flip side of unity. How, how do we see this gospel-centered unity It's because disparate groups come together, which otherwise would never come together. And so let's think again uh, back in Ephesians. Turn over to chapter 2. Let's just uh, read a few of these verses again, just kind of remind ourselves what we talked about last week, starting in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile both of us to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So, uh, if Christ has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles, between groups that hate one another, then it just stands to reason that the church would be made up of Jews and Gentiles, right? Uh, what, would it make any sense for us to have been brought together to become one from the two, and then once we're within that context to begin to divide ourselves up into little groups again? You know, ha- does that make sense? And what would it say if that's what we did? You know, wh- what, would, what would that be? saying to the world if if we had been brought together by the gospel but then we divide ourselves back up into groups okay so perhaps the world would look and say you know they weren't actually brought together by the gospel they're, they're still just like us they're still uh, focused on the things that that make them you know commonality the things they have in in, in common any other thoughts what would that say? Okay, maybe we just take the Word of God as a suggestion, not commands, not something to truly follow, but a good a good advice column that you know if we feel like it, um, maybe we would go after that. yeah, I think that's right um, and so this morning. Let's spend just a little bit of time thinking about this diversity—not um, diversity as the goal for the church, but rather as one genuine outcome of being transformed by the gospel. If we truly have been transformed, then I think, according to the Word, one of the outcomes is that we will look different. So we'll do we'll do some things here. First of all, we'll explore the purpose of diversity. Why are we even talking about that? Then. Then we'll look at the character of diversity and finally look at how to cultivate biblical diversity. So let's think first about the purpose of diversity. The the purpose of diversity in the church. Again, why do you think it's important? We've talked about a few things. Um, Any other thoughts on why it would be important? yeah so the the metaphor of the body, and we're gonna go there here this morning, a lot of different diverse parts come together in one, and all of those parts are necessary for the body to function, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, so that's good yeah any anything else <coughs> yeah so the Gospel reconciles things that are broken back together. it restores, so that is a wonderful picture that we want to display to the world absolutely It's good. Any other thoughts yeah. <laughs> If the church is a picture of heaven on earth and we get this glimpse in scripture of the diversity of the church in heaven, every tribe, tongue, nation, and language worshiping before the throne, then wouldn't that make sense that we should model that and, and image that here today? I think that's right. Dave? That's right. There's more opportunity for us to witness, uh, bring the gospel to a diverse world if, if we ourselves are diverse and, and not just all homogenous. So I think these are all really good, um, and as we look at s- some of these things, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in depth, but here's our premise this morning. Um, diversity in the church is probably more important and at the same time less important than you may have thought. So let's think about that. Uh, Diversity is probably more important and at the same time less important than you may have thought. Well, what do I mean by that? So uh, diversity is important because as we've already said, it puts God's glory on display when people who have no obvious earthly connection are brought together and love each other and even sacrifice one another in the church the world stands up and takes notice of something like that so in this sense diversity is not just a nice thing to have but it's really central to our witness if if god reconciled sinners to himself and who, who's more diverse than a holy god and sinful people and he's reconciled us to himself and then he's reconciled us one to another that is a powerful picture of the gospel to the world. So it's really pretty central to our witness. At the same time, though, diversity is perhaps less important than at least some have made it out to be. So, you know, diversity for us is not an, a, a means to an end. It's not an end within itself, I should say. So, d- diversity is not the goal. You know, if we achieve a very diverse body, um, local body here at church, um, we haven't necessarily accomplished anything because we can still look very diverse but still be unhealthy. Um, we can still lack unity, true unity. We can still not love one another. Um, so it's not the goal, um, but again, it should be an outflow of truly being transformed by the gospel. So uh, we, we're not interested in diversity for just for diversity's sake. But what we're interested in is unity in diversity. So really, when we talk about diversity, think about unity in diversity. So look again in Ephesians. uh, Let's look again at chapter 3. Let me just read verses 4 through 10. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So we we noted last week how this mystery, Paul calls it, of Jews and Gentiles being brought together in the church um, is... It causes the the rulers and the powers in the heavenly heavenly realms, so supernatural beings, to look and scratch their heads and say, "Wow, that that's what God's power is like." People who hate one another, He has brought together into the same body, and now they love one another. They sacrifice for one another, and you know it. It's, uh, it puts God's glory again on display to even those outside of. This world, and so how much more then does it put on display God's glory to those in the world who would look at at this church and say, you know, help me understand this. How how do people that have nothing in common uh, love one another like a family? You're not blood relatives, but we are a family, and and then that became becomes something that people take notice of. So, uh, and this is supernatural. So we we need to understand. This is something not something that we can manufacture ourselves. Again, there, that's a distinction between how the world looks at diversity and how we as the body of Christ should look at it. We don't do this. God has done it. He's the one who's reconciled Jew and Gentile to himself, and he's the one who reconciles Jew and Gentile to one another as well. And and Paul acknowledges the supernatural nature of it here in uh, Ephesians 3 as well he says in verse 20 now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever you know Paul acknowledges we can't do this we can't just roll up our sleeves and bring Jew and Gentile together it requires the supernatural reconciliation that only God can do. So uh, that's a a long way of saying um, one reason, one purpose for this diversity is once again to put God's glory on display. And then turn over to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Ray kind of tipped us off on this, that this is also a purpose here. Let me read verses 12 through 14. For just as the body is one... And has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So here's this great analogy. The church is like the human body. Um, And think about the diversity of of your body. You know, we've got hands and feet, arms and legs, eyes, and, you know, all kinds of things, heart, lungs. You know, all these things are completely different. Um, and thinking about a body then, as Paul's, he's trying to make this point, what if the body was nothing but a bunch of one sa- same part? I mean, how limiting would that be if you only were a bunch of hands? You know, how many things could not be accomplished? But God in his wisdom has have brought... A many together into one body to work in unison. Um, and, you know, Paul kind of names here, he makes the analogy the parts then, and he says these parts are made up of Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. So all of these kind of are in the analogy of, of the gifts to the church. So we think often of the spiritual gifts as being the talents themselves, but I think when you read through this, what we really see is that the, the gifts are actually people. So all of the people coming together in the church is what makes it function properly. And so the picture of the human body is a picture of diversity. Um, and so when we think about that, and again, think about what Paul's saying here, we get, the, we get the picture of the human body, and then he mentions some of these parts by name, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, um, what would it say if, again, we were in the body and then we thought, okay, we looked at this passage and we interpreted and said, okay, so we need to make special accommodations. We need to um, divide up these groups. So we, we're we all in one body, but we need to separate the Jews and the Greeks and the slaves and the free into subsets of the body. You know, what would that say? What What, you know can we wrap our heads around that yeah yeah it doesn't make sense Um it wouldn't function very well right it wouldn't, at all. it wouldn't function at all yeah that's exactly right so so again this idea of diversity we need to think more broadly about diversity um, and think about it as as individual people who who God has brought together. Um, well, let's keep reading here and, and get kind of the, the sense of that. In verse 15, he says, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then skip down to verse 24, kind of picking up in the middle there. God, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, There. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And you know, I think Paul's point here is that all the people are necessary for the body of Christ to function properly. You know, he has brought the body together. And I think it's also clear that the parts of the body do not function independently, kind of as we've already mentioned. They function in unison. So that unison is a result of the diverse parts working together. And so um, as we think about ourselves as a body, how well would we function if we separated uh, hands from feet, uh, eyes from ears, and, and tried to just kind of make subgroups throughout the body? Uh, it would, It would really Not function, as has been mentioned, and again, it would not demonstrate how God has brought us together supernaturally. So that's kind of the purpose. Any questions about that? Any comments? All right. Yeah, there is, there is a type of unity in the world, and again, we see it. We mentioned it last week. You know, people who have a common interest tend to flock together, um, and there's nothing in inherently bad about that, but it doesn't put this supernatural gospel on display. Right. So, well, um, so we've established that diversity. Hopefully, we've established diversity is important in the church as the flip side of unity. The two are inseparable. Let's think a minute about what do we mean by diversity. we have been throwing this word around. This word is thrown around a lot in the world. Um, Well, what exactly do we mean? Let's let's think about the character of diversity. Uh, So I think the easiest way to think about diversity is to think about the categories that the world has where it puts barriers up between groups. So groups of people will be naturally divided in the world because of a variety of things. But in the church, those barriers should not exist. So let's look at six different areas where we could maybe identify the world puts barriers, we should not have those barriers in the church. And this is by no means exhaustive. I'm sure there are others, but there's at least six. So let's look at six. And the first one would be Uh, The world puts up boundaries in the area of ethnicity. So probably this is what you think of first when you think about diversity and and, and different groups coming together. And in fact, Scripture has much to say about ethnic diversity and how we're brought together in the church. I mean, Jew and Gentile, that's an ethnic category. And uh, God has intentionally brought these ethnic groups together. The world looks at this and gets it wrong in a couple of different ways. So on the one hand is racism. You know, racism is looking at other individuals and denying that the image of God is in those individuals, saying those people are less in some way and developing a hatred for people based on that. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, is a kind of celebration of diversity that makes an idol out of tolerance and out of uh, just this physical or this visible diversity, um, but that there's really no Christ in the center of it. So if diversity is the goal or if that is what we're wanting to achieve and we think we've achieved something just by having diversity, we've missed the point, and I think the world misses the point on that. Um, so neither of these things, neither kind of going to the extreme of racism where um, we have hatred for other groups not like us, uh, or going to the other side where we just want to have this physical surface uh, diversity and and claim that that's uh, the end goal. Neither of the, these kind of approach diversity from the, the aspect of, of God being the reason and the center of it. Um, so um, we don't want to do either, obviously. We, we want to have an idea of diversity that, once again, is unity in diversity with the glory of God at stake and with the gospel in the center. So that's um, kind of a short deal on ethnic diversity, but there are other categories as well. So let's think about some other ones as well. So another one is the world puts up boundaries due to age. So they make distinctions based on people's age. The world divides people up by age, and the world has biases about age. So the world, at least our culture, tends to celebrate youth and uh, think of aging as something to be avoided. So that's what we see in all of the commercials of all of the products that are available. So You want to avoid aging at all costs. And so there's these, this division within the world because of it. Um, the, the world puts different people in different age categories together and has no category for where those people would come together except maybe at a family dinner at a holiday. You know, that's where you might see people of different ages. But other than that, we're going to live our lives separately. But um, what is it like in the church? So uh, a couple of months ago, A couple of young guys in their 20s just out of college invited Kathy and me over to the house they rent, and they cooked us dinner, and we sat around the table for a couple hours just, you know, talking about how God had been good to us, a couple of guys that are members of our church. So what do you think of that? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's kind of unusual. Um, But that's a great picture of the gospel. That's a great picture of what it means to be the church. Um, And it's an illustration even of how our differences really demonstrate the unity that we have in Christ. You know, because it's not normal for a couple in their 50s to be invited over to a couple of roommates in their 20s and, and spend the evening together, you know, those guys cooking and Sitting around the table in you know a rental house that looked kind of like you would imagine some twenty year olds had were renting it right, so it's all good. Um, the world cr- scratches their head and say, "I don't get that," um, and and a lot of people even in the church say, "Well, I don't get that." You know that's kind of unusual, but it really puts on display that we have as in common the gospel and being transformed by Christ far more than the the differences that there might be there. Uh, uh, are important those things are so much less important well a third category boundaries of economics so once again the world divides over economic status people of different economic levels dress differently um, they drive different cars they live in different neighborhoods all of these things are boundaries that that are um, familiar in the world but Let's think about what the Word of God says. James chapter 2 says this, verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You know, So scripture condemns us thinking of people with e- economics kind of in the forefront. Um, instead, we have, again, in Christ, more in common than even those things. Well, let's... Uh, do another one here um number 4 boundaries of politics so this is an area where i'm not sure all christians quite understand that our unity in christ is not contingent on us all sharing the same beliefs along political lines you know this is something that's divisive even in the church even today even uh, in the the southern baptist convention that starts on tuesday we're going to see this type of division raise its head. So if we think about it um, there's no doubt that we're called out as believers to speak strongly on moral issues and on things that are spelled out in Scripture. When Scripture speaks to moral issues that might divide us politically then we're called to speak out clearly and, and convictionally on those things as well. But often moral clarity on issues do not necessarily translate into public policy always the same way, so in other words, you, you might you and another Christian might believe fully uh, on, a, on an immoral issue, but you might have different ideas of how that should be played out with regards to to policy uh, and those are things we should not divide over. the world divides over those things, and we live in a, a world where political f- philosophies are diverging more and more you know we recognize that more and more it's an either or thing and there's not any kind of middle you're either on this side or you're on this side and in the eyes of the world if you're on this side everybody on the other side is your enemy Um, and so we need to be careful as the church that we don't let that uh, become the same picture that we are so the question I I would ask for us then is the gospel powerful enough to overcome this type of political difference? Is it possible to fellowship with those who may have a different political position than we do? Okay. I think it it, it may be possible. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically? <laughs> yeah, no not only is it possible, we are called to do it. You know, So when we gather as the body of Christ, whether we're gathered in, the, in this building on Sunday morning or, or throughout the week, uh, those things should not divide us. Those things should not cause us to say, you're my enemy, um, and, and rather than saying, you're still my brother in Christ, even if we disagree on these things. So do you see how putting political differences aside and loving those with whom you disagree Puts the gospel on display. It it absolutely does, right? Um, that's one of those areas and opportunities we have, where it really blows the world away. You know, you, you mean you associate with somebody who voted for the other presidential candidate? How is that even possible? You know, the world doesn't understand that. Well, one other, uh, two more, but the next one: boundaries of personality. Uh, now, here's a, an area where you might have hoped that I wouldn't bring it up. Uh, you know, politics, we got through that. Um, there are other believers in Christ who perhaps you just don't seem to click with. You know, you just don't seem to be on the same, same wavelength. They they may be kind of socially awkward. They may be painfully quiet. They may be obnoxiously loud. You know, they're just I just don't really fit very well with that person. You know, so so ask yourself some, some questions. Is there anyone in this body, this body of Christ, UBC, who you might try to avoid generally? Um, is there anyone who you would never consider having over for dinner because you just can't understand how you'd ever get through that evening? You know, because just the personalities. Um, even those people are gifts to the church and are necessary for the body to work together you know thinking back to that first Corinthians 12 illustration you know everybody um, is to be uh, part of the body so we shouldn't even divide over personality Um, and the world again struggles with that and so last one here boundaries over cultural background so there is a diversity of cultural backgrounds um, and um, this can be very obvious so for example we're by the university we have members of the church who are from other cultures, cultures literally from other nations. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing that we're able to fellowship and be members together in the same church. So that's a blessing. Um, but then there are also cultural differences from those who might be from different areas of the country. So Brad always gives us great illustrations of that, you know, he just, he, he observes our local culture from kind of an outsider perspective, um, but those things shouldn't matter, those, uh, we can come together. Um, and then there's uh, those from different church backgrounds, so not everyone d- grew up in a Southern Baptist church, uh, so there are different backgrounds that come in, and the gospel brings us all together in those, as, as we're members in the same church, and you know, one way this shows up for us as UBC is just that over the years, um, the culture of our church has changed. Uh, so particularly um, when Mike Lumpkin became the pastor years ago, he kind of began to steer us in a different theological direction, just on some doctrinal issues. Um, he started to steer us in a different ecclesiological, ecclesia, that's not a word, uh, ecclesiology, this, you know, kind of how the church operates. He's, he, st- he steered us in a little bit different direction on that, and then when Brad came, he's ke- kind of even built on that and taken us further down that road. So if you're new to UBC, this is what you know. You, you know UBC as it is today, but if you've been a member at UBC for 20-plus years, uh, this place has changed quite a bit, and it, and we bring those cultures with us. So if we come in and um, we're from the old group or the new group, you know, there's a division possible there that that shouldn't be. You know, we shouldn't divide ourselves as in the old timers. And there's a lot of people who are have been members of this church for 25, 30 or more years, um, and they kind of have the memory of the way it used to be. Um, and it may be that it causes them to maybe group themselves in, in that, you know, kind of from longevity. And then there may be the new members that have just been here a year or two. Uh, and there should not be a divide between those groups. We should be able to come together. So um, those are some ways that we might look at diversity in different categories. Uh, so any, any questions on that? Any comments on that before we move on? Are there other areas of diversity that didn't necessarily touch on. This could play into the economics cultural background, but in the past year I've really learned that educational background can really be a separator. Um and that's something that I've had to really reflect on and repent of this year is educational diversity is really important. Yeah, th- that's a that's a great point. Educational diversity. We're we're a stone's throw from a university. So we have within the body everyone from those who never completed high school all the way up to PhDs. Uh, so there's, that would be an easy thing to divide over, but uh, the gospel is more powerful than that. Good example. Anything else? Ability, disability, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great example as well. <clears throat> well, let's end with some application. If diversity within the body of Christ is, is God's intention, but we acknowledge that our natural state is to gravitate towards those like us, not those different than us, can we do anything to cultivate good, God-glorifying, gospel-demonstrating diversity? So let's consider four things um, that, would al- that would help us. So first of all, uh, the first point we want to make is that really we should do nothing to create it. Uh, so that might be a surprising thing to say. But remember, diversity is not our goal. So just as God is solely responsible for reconciling us to himself, he's the one who has gathered us into this church and made the one man out of the two. So we've been brought together in this local church, um, not by our own decisions, although you know, we may have certainly had some intentionality in that, but ultimately God is the one who's brought us together. So the diversity that God wants to, us to have, he has given us that diversity. So um, in that respect, we don't want to institute a program uh, you know, we don't want to put in uh, a plan for affirmative action or anything like that where uh, that, again, becomes the goal. Um, so we want to instead just embrace the God, the diversity that God has given us, uh, and perhaps it means that we should begin to look for it where we may not have thought of looking for that bef- before. So we can look at our own body, and maybe if we just begin to see and recognize that diversity, that is a step in the right direction. So if we think about UBC, while we may not be very ethnically diverse, uh, we certainly can be thankful for the great diversity we have in the other five categories. You know, we do have diversity within the body. And we would want to continue to pray for more diversity in that first category of ethnicity, but at the same time, recognize the diversity that we do have. So we don't want to do anything to try to create it as if that is the end goal. But on the, same, on the other hand, number two, d- we don't want to do anything to resist diversity, or un, un, either unconsciously or consciously, or to neglect it. Um, so our natural bent again is to gravitate towards those who are like us, even when we are surrounded by diversity. So when we go to the service here in a few minutes, do, do this: just kind of look around you, look around those that are sitting close to you, within the in the maybe the next couple of rows bef- in front of you and behind you, and ask yourself: is there anybody sitting just around me who I would intentionally walk past to say hello to somebody else? Um, and it, you know, there. And what would be the reason for that? Why would I not? look at this person sitting right in front of me in the same way that I look at somebody who I know really well and, and I have a long-standing relationship with. You know, unity in diversity is kind of like planting a garden, you know, uh, and Paul uses this illustration with respect to salvation, but um, we, we, we plant, we water, we pull the weeds, we do a lot to cultivate diversity, um, or we should, uh, and we do that in the garden, you know we plant a garden, we do a lot of work, but what does paul say it 's God who gives the growth so we there are things that we want to do when we recognize that God is the one who is creating the diversity, so we just don 't want to resist it and, th- and that 's kind of a an, an intentionality thing so uh, let's let 's uh, not sub subcon- unconsciously just group ourselves up in any of these categories that we just talked about let 's not group ourselves up in an age category where we just have relationships and those that are, who are at our same age or who are at our sta- same stage of life or um, various things like that. Um, so uh, we do need to water, we need to fertilize, we need to weed the, the diversity that God has given us and be intentional about that. So a third thing that we want to do is pray for a genuine love for others. One way we can foster diversity, cultivate diversity, is to pray that we would love other people, and in particular those who are not like us in some way. Um, that, th- that this supernatural love would be something that God gives us. And so if I truly love Christ, it stands to reason I will love the things that Christ loves, and I will love the people that Christ loves. So Jesus dearly loves his church, um, so much so that he gave himself up for her. So we would want to pray that we would foster that same type of love for this church where he has broken down the dividing wall of hostility and brought the two together to be one. If your love for his church, or specifically for people in his church who are not like you, is is lagging, then begin to pray for it and see how The Lord will change your heart. Well, finally then, um, the last thing we want to do to cultivate diversity is seek it. Uh, So we need to be intentional about seeking diversity in our relationship. So uh, this starts with some personal evaluation. You know, again, ask yourselves some diagnostic questions and say, How many friends, how many close relationships do I have with people who are of a different age than I am? Of a different stage of life that I am, of a different ethnicity, you know, give do some evaluation there, and I think a, a good, a helpful illustration is the old food pyramid. You know, you remember the old food pyramid that said you if you have a balanced diet, you'll have a mixture of these things. You'll have your grains, you'll have your um, dairy products, you'll have your fruits and vegetables, you'll have your protein, you'll have all of that in your diet, and if you're lacking one of those categories, your, your diet is lacking. And I think it should be the same way with the relationships we have in the body. I mean, absolutely, we'll have relationships with those who we have common interests with. We'll have relationships with those who are in the same stage of life. But if we're missing relationships with people who are different from us in many different ways or in every way, then we don't have a healthy balance in our relationships, so we want to seek those things out um, we want to have gospel-centered relationships with those who are like us in many ways and those who are different from us and if we only have the one again there is something lacking there so what will this look like this will require sacrifice from time to time you know we're gonna have to sacrifice in order to have these same type of relationships but but again Um, Our model is Christ who laid down his life for the church. And so we should be willing to do the same. So there's things we might have to sacrifice. We might have to sacrifice social comfortability. You know, it may be a little awkward to reach out to those that you seemingly don't have anything in common with. But that's a sacrifice that's worth making. Uh, It may mean sacrificing preferences. Uh, You know, again, we talked last week about how there are some churches who will divide the church up in a couple of different worship services, so those who like the contemporary music can worship, and so those who like the traditional hymns can worship. Um, we don't want to do that same thing, um, and we don't want to look at everything we do in the, in the body and say, well, that's not the way I would do it, I don't like that. You know, we're going to have a diversity in, in music, and I think if you've noticed that, um, we do uh, have a, v- a bunch of different types of music that we worship God with on Sunday mornings. And so if you think about it, Um, some people like these songs, sometimes people like these type. They like the hymns, they like the the new worship type choruses. Uh, Sometimes we sing a song that just seems, you know, this is just outside of my comfort zone. But that's intentional. Um, We're not doing it to customize a personal worship experience. We're doing it so that the diversity of the body can worship together. So those are things we might want to be willing to sacrifice and look at it in a different way. You know, there may be resources that you need to sacrifice. There may be time that you need to sacrifice. But again, those are things that are worth it. Well, any kind of last questions or comments before we wrap up? You know, it may be that you are doing great in this area of cultivating unity through diversity, and praise God for that. It may be that it's a struggle for you. Uh, it may be that you've never even thought about it before. But all of these things, regardless, um, we want to be intentional about seeking this type of unity in diversity that we might put the gospel on display. So help your brothers and sisters in doing this. You know, if, you, if you're... if uh, you some who have close relationships with those who are like you, why don't you all get together and invite somebody over for dinner who, who is not like you in these, in these categories. Or you know, d- do what you can to, to help one another to seek to do exactly what kind of Cliff noted earlier, so that the church on earth begins to look more and more like the church gathered around the throne uh, in heaven. Uh, people of all um, tribes, tongues, nations, languages, all ages, all stages of life, all, um, all economic backgrounds, all personalities. Um, the gospel brings us all together in these things. So, all right, well, let me close this in prayer. Lord, again, we thank you, first of all, that you have saved us. Uh, we don't deserve it. We have done nothing to, to earn your favor, but... Uh, through the, the blood of Christ, we have brought been brought together. Uh, the one, one man has been made out of the two. And I pray that that would be something that we are thankful for, that we celebrate, that we desire to look more and more like the church. Uh, and I pray, Lord, you'd give us insight as to how we can do this, how we can help one another do this, and how ultimately we can worship you. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.